you been looking for a podcast about agriculture? One that can increase your farm's profitability all without putting you to sleep. To sleep. Welcome to Field Trials Unleashed. We're experts in testing different farming practices and products. We test it and then report back the real skinny. This is Field Trials Unleashed. And here are your hosts, Craig Bloemker and Eric Beckett. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Craig. How's it going? It is the 8th of April, and we have begun... Yes, we've. Uh, I would say we've just successfully completed our first major run of the season. Uh, we've had a little bit of rain overnight. Uh, it has allowed us to kind of regroup today, and I think we're expecting to maybe have some more rain this weekend. So maybe um, logistically we can finish getting products in place. I mean, we, we have been facing some product placement issues, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, anhydrous as always sometimes can be challenging, keeping supply where it needs to be. Well, when the whole country breaks loose at the same time, it's about impossible to keep up. Yeah, no, we've had a good run. I'm pleased where we're at, and uh, we've even started getting some trials out. Have we now? Got my first NCGA placed on the 5th of April, believe it or not. Wow, that'll be some good early planting information, if nothing else. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Hey, at least it's a full season hybrid. I mean, we've got a 117-day decalb tricepta out there. So. Oh, wow, that is full season for area. I mean, that, that might be something that the... The growers down in the Boot Hill, Missouri, or Arkansas might be planting. It's going to be a good number. I feel I feel very confident in this product. So, so we got the NCJ entry out, Eric, and then I also, as of yesterday, we put out our first like, product trial. You know, testing uh, Centuro with Coke Agronomics. So they were gracious enough to partner with us, and uh, I'm hoping to get another three or four of these out. But really cool, utilizing technology to make this thing easy and. Uh, we kind of partnered up with Premier Crops as well. They wrote scripts for us and uh, hoping to evolve this. But it was it was interesting. We loaded the thing up to the tractor, the script into the tractor, and then the machine did the rest. The operator didn't have to slow down, do anything nice. different. And uh, basically testing two rates. So the bar, the farmer's base rate. Okay. And what was, what was just for curiosity's sake, what was the farmer base rate? 165 pounds actually, and believe it or not. Okay. And that is a single pass. There is no other nitrogen... Uh, coming into play there. Wow. So we're very conservative, uh, but uh, seems to be working. So we did 165 actual in as the base rate, and then we reduced in spots uh, across five acres out of this field. We reduced the rate by 20%. And then each of those had a with and without Centuro. So we'll get a pretty good idea of what a reduction in anhydrous is. And, and on an already conservative rate, I mean, I would argue that we probably need to be bumping that rate up anyway. And then we just did a 20% reduction in it. So yeah. it'd be fascinating to see, you know, what happens there. But uh, I just, the technology is what's got me. I, I, I'm excited about what we can do with this because I think we could also implement this in with a sprayer, with a dry spreader. Yeah, definitely. And uh, since you did mention dry spreader, I've actually, I've already got some, I got a trial in the, in the works too that we're going to be u- utilizing a similar technology where we already have a pre-designated script for our applicator and that's just going to load up the machine and all we got to basically do is get the product out to the field in the right place and then just turn it on and drive and let the machine do the rest of the work. It's the way of the future, man. Like uh, the, the operators, they don't want to slow down. We can't slow down. I mean, oh. efficiencies are critical in, in the retail ag and, and we're lucky to have really good operators, but 
uh, obviously we want to make it easy on them. So, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times that, you know, I've had some personally, I've had some problems with human error where you get halfway through the field, good, have good intentions. And then you're like, Oh crap, I forgot squirrel. I forgot to turn it on. And so by having a script in place, it'll take this error out of the equation. You know, I'm thinking about this, uh, this Coke trial. So we had to put it on, uh, with the planting row, unfortunately, just, just the nature of the way the trial set up and how to get the yield data collected. So, uh, but you know, the rest of the fields are put on an angle, but you and I were talking earlier and, uh, there were some outfits out there actually putting anhydrous on straight as a normal practice. So in some of my, uh, travels this week, um, I've definitely, I've seen a lot of anhydrous go out and it's not been uh, applied at an angle as Craig's mentioned. And this kind of concerns me that, you know, uh, as we start to be planting and if, um, you know, given the right scenarios and everything, if, if we happen to be, you know, a planter unit gets gets on that row and then, you know, on that knife track and then goes all the way through the field and we get the right conditions, we could have some serious anhydrous burn on that seed. And basically what that's going to equate to is that, you know, we could have trapped free ammonia in that zone where that knife track was at. And then if we put seed right into that knife track, we could have some serious emergence issues that um, suck all the moisture right out of the seed. Yeah, that's right. And then basically inhibit germination of that seed because it's just been freeze dried, so to speak. Well, it's no different than if you get an anhydrous ammonia where knock on wood, we don't have that issue, but there, you know, we've all been through the trainings and seen what it can do to a human skin and it just sucks every bit of moisture out of it. And like you said, you got like a burn. So yeah, definitely. So you know, it, it's so easy with the technology, you know, that with guidance today that just go out there and you set your A-B line at a good angle. And, I mean, now it doesn't have to be such an aggressive angle as, you know, say a 45-degree angle going across the field. But just even that, you know, 15 or 20-degree angle on the field w- will alleviate a lot of those problems of, of, you know, of having, you know, that spring anhydrous burn on seed. Well, and I would argue probably that, up to this point, we may not have had too much of an issue with that this spring yet, but it's always something to keep in mind. I mean, we've had really dry conditions as far as what I've seen going on for my customers. The soil condition is dry. It is sealing up nicely, and I, I don't think we're going to probably have that sidewall smearing or compaction that we you know normally have in a wet spring. Yeah. But still, something to keep in mind, and there's no reason not to put it on at an angle. Yeah, definitely. So if you still have some anhydrous to go out yet this year and uh, – if you're not personally doing it, it might be a good thing to check with whoever might be applying it to uh, verify that they are going to be applying it at an angle and um, definitely make that request known. Eric, let's talk about planting moisture. Uh, again, the, the the table's turned just a little bit with this rain that came in, but, uh, you know, there for a while we had we had beans going to the ground. And like I mentioned, we had that NCJ, not a lot of corn. Yeah. We had beans going to the ground, and those guys are probably chasing soil moisture. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you always want to put seed into a good moisture zone. I mean, you don't want to plant it too shallow because, you know, you can have, you know, adverse effects, you know, from planting too shallow. But the same thing can be going too deep. There comes a point where you need to stop chasing moisture. And if and if moisture is, is truly a concern of trying to get seed in moisture and you can't put seed in that in a moisture zone, maybe you need to reconsider, you know, maybe even planting at that time. Um, but there does come a point when it's too deep is, is too deep. And so, you know, beans, optimum planting is probably going to be an inch and a half to two inches. But, you know, if we start getting below sub two and a half inches, uh, we really need to be reconsidering operations and, 
not be chasing moisture at that point because, you know, that's a long ways for that new soybean seedling to be coming up out of the ground. And then if it does happen to get wet and then dries out quickly and we have a crust, there's going to be a lot of uh, soybeans that are, are not going to be coming up evenly. So as we look at the extended forecast, Eric, I mean, I don't know that everybody's looking at it because if they were, they may consider changing their planting practices right now. But uh, looking at the extended forecast, it looks like it's probably going to get cold. Now, I'm not necessarily concerned about freezing, but we've seen this happen for probably a week last year, I believe, where we're, we're a little bit wet, we, we got were, moisture. We were cold. And then it got cold. And then guys are out there planting early beans, which I'm a big proponent of. I, I want to see early beans planted. However, if the conditions aren't right, and we're going out there putting these PPO class chemistries out there, we tend to forget year to year. And so my concern lies in the fact that we're going into possibly a colder zone, and we got beans planted, and we're trying to apply these chemistries, and it's a little bit wet. So Yeah, so basically we're just adding another undue stress event that doesn't need to occur. Yeah. If you've ever seen PPO injury, it is not pretty. As I was talking to some of my growers, some of them were moving, so they're calling me with different things. And I got a text message from one last night, and he was showing me a, a, a singulation map, which we don't often look at a lot. But and it was really intriguing, you know, when he slowed down to like four mile an hour. Holy cow, he must have been feeling like he was snailing yeah, across he did. the field. <laughs> with all these high-speed planters these days. Yeah, he did say it was kind of slow, but it, what what was important is he was trying to dial in, in particular on soybeans, the singulation, and we don't talk about this a lot, but I he brought it to my attention, and then I've been seeing things posted on Twitter recently on this, so I don't have any data. We don't have any data. I mean, honestly, there's nothing out there. I've, I've really researched it. There's not a lot out there. Uh, Belo did some work on it, and I think you can make a case for either way. You know, if you're going to be in those higher populations, I'd say it's probably not going to do any good. I mean, think back to when we'd use drills and basically it was a controlled spill. Yeah, or the old seed cup days. The trend is going down, and I, I really do believe that we'll probably see guys plant. If we can get them out of the ground, Yep. Uh, I do believe we'll see a day here very soon where we're going to be planting sub-100,000 population on beans, and that's where I think singulation. So if we can get a handle on it now, yep. That's where I think it's going to play a key part. Yeah, definitely. And um, really what we're, we're focusing on, just like corn, is making sure that we have equal distance between seed placement. And so what that's really going to give us for soybeans is that, you know, we're going to, when we go to these lower populations, we're really encouraging or looking at varieties that have capabilities of branching out and putting that on a lot of nodes. Whereas, you know, when we had to controlled spill, so to speak, we, you know, we were just looking for mainly an upright bean that had maybe one main node, and that's all we were focused on for for soybean development. So uh, with with focusing on singulation and good seed placement is that it's going to promote good branching and as many nodes out there and, you know, opportunities for, for extra pod fill. So that's the reason why, you know, Craig kind of brought this up, that good management and beans need just as much as management as corn does, and, and as much attention should be focused on beans. Maybe, maybe more, because we kind of have neglected – um, I think we've got a lot of work to do on beans, and I'm not saying singulation's the ticket, but I'm just saying as we as we decrease population, I wonder if we won't see an increased need for singulation trying to get that proper spacing. So, Eric, I don't have anything else. I, those are kind of recapping. We had a slow day to just to kind of sit down and discuss some things and yep. um, further trials. I, I do know that I'm going to be putting out probably another two or three more of those uh, Centura trials, and then I do believe I have some high-rate 32 yet to do. And so we'll probably be testing Anvil at that point. 
Very nice. So, yep. So if there's any growers out there that, you know, would still maybe like to get in on some on-farm discoveries, uh, we still got opportunities for you and uh, would love to work with you. You've been listening to Field Trials Unleashed. Agronomic trials, products, practices, what makes sense for you and your farm's profitability. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, follow Craig and Eric on Twitter at Trials Unleashed. From there, you can get agronomic updates and submit questions for future shows. See you next time.